0: Welcome to the Turfgrass Hotline and the Connect to Protect Tour brought to you by our sponsors at Dryject, IntelliGrow, and the Plant Food Company. We're back out with Ken Benoit in the great state of Iowa as he's logged about one-third of the journey to Oregon, highlighting best golf course management practices to protect the environment, connecting with the soul of America, and testing the limits of mind and body. Ken's golf course visits with Nate Jordan at Mount Hawley in Illinois and Tim Gravert at Finkbine in Iowa highlights intentional pollinator plantings to maximize golf landscape benefits to the broader ecosystem and getting the most from a single row irrigation system with smart adjustments that save water. The aches and pains are starting to create some challenges for Ken. I caught up with him early Friday morning, August 28, 2020, ride day 13, total day 15. Welcome back, Ken Benoit. You're on ride day 13 uh, of the Connect to Protect Tour uh, that you can follow on ecoturfconsulting.com. Ken, we're starting to get a little momentum, both for the podcast and and the cool things you're learning and doing. Let's start with where we always do. Uh, Where are you now, and how is the bike holding up?
1: Good morning, Frank. Nice to speak with you. I am on a bike path heading out of Iowa City toward ultimately Sioux City, Nebraska is my beeline with a couple stops in between. I'm sitting on a park bench on the North Ridge Bikeway. And let me tell you, Frank, there's some great bike paths that I have discovered along my way here into Iowa, all the way from really New York. uh, I have found some really cool bike paths that I didn't know existed really exciting.
0: Well, and I tell you, Ken, I'm not surprised to hear you say that in Iowa, because I actually believe, and you could correct me, isn't there an annual Ride Your Bike Across Iowa uh, ride every year? I believe uh, my old pal, uh, former USGA section director, Kim Rousha. Uh, actually rode on that uh, once or or twice. It's a a bike ride across the whole great state of Iowa. I wonder if that has anything to do with all those wonderful bike paths they have.
1: It must, I'm sure that that raises awareness. I've heard of the bike ride, it does exist. It's quite the rolling party, I'm told, across (laughs) the whole state, west to east. So I'm going in the wrong direction to join that party, but uh, I've heard it's quite a good time.
0: So you're on ride day 13, Looking at your last few rides, looks like in succession you had a you know 103, 92, 63. So, you know, you're keeping a pretty good pace most of the time. How is that going as far as your pacing goes? I know early on you were going out quick, and maybe this is a good time to talk about your health and well being. How is the putting the miles on
1: uh both on the bike and on your bike? Yeah. yeah. So So after 12 days of riding, I've got 1,230 miles logged. So I'm doing a little over 100. The couple short days that I had, well, the one recently was because that's where I stopped to do a course visit in Iowa. So that only took me 60 miles to get to that point. And I was thankful because the heat has been oppressive the last few days. We touched 100 degrees on two of my rides. Uh, One of them was 116 miler, and the other was 102 miler. It hit 100 degrees on both those rides.
0: Is it hard to stay hydrated, and are you getting any cramping from, you know, obviously cramping is going to have something to do with your water intake. How's that going? I mean, obviously that oppressive heat riding 100 miles can, even in good shape, brother, that's got to be sort of tough.
1: It is pretty grueling. There's no getting around that. And it's not just water, lots of fluids. Uh, I'm drinking a lot of fruit juices, a lot of water, drinks with electrolytes in it to replenish those salts. And I'm calculating that I'm probably drinking north of two gallons of water a day. Wow. On the bike alone, I'm probably pushing two gallons of water over the course of a 10-hour bike ride.
0: All right. So listen, let's talk about your geriatric body because you tweeted out a picture of your foot. And it looks like you were icing it. So let's tell everybody what's going on with you.
1: So overall, I couldn't be happier. My physical conditioning has been solid. Legs feel great. Respiratory system feels great. I don't feel winded ever. Judging overall, my physical condition is great. I do have a niggle, maybe even more than a niggle, happening with my right Achilles. It's starting to swell up. And I was walking with quite a limp day before yesterday, hmm. and that was the first time I'd started limping. It had been hurting me for probably five days prior to that, mm-hmm. but never so bad that I had the, a limp or that it was swelling up much, but I don't even remember what day this is. But two yeah. nights ago, when I got here to Iowa City, it started hurting pretty bad and swelled up a lot, couldn't walk. The Graverts, Tim Gravert, and his soon-to-be family, uh, were kind enough to virtually insist that I take a rest day the next day at their house, which thankfully I did. And I iced my foot. I bought a compression sock for my foot to help keep the swelling down. And Frank, that's on your recommendation. That was a great idea you had for me. So I took care of that. I've been taking a leave. You know, I woke up this morning, the foot was super stiff. I was limping. I was a little nervous. But after walking around on it for 15, 20 minutes, it really loosened up and started to feel good. I also made some adjustments on my bike. I lowered my seat just a skosh to help keeping my leg from fully extending Mm -hmm. so that I could keep a little bit more of a bent knee, Mm -hmm. which will then keep some of the pressure off my Achilles at the bottom of the pedal stroke. I feel like maybe my toe was pointing a little bit downward, even at the bottom of my pedal stroke. And so my Achilles was uh, always flexed. Uh, The calf muscle was always flexed up and that was causing some discomfort. And I I hope that that'll help remedy it. I also moved the cleat on my right shoe back a little bit with the idea being that more of the pressure uh, from the pedal stroke will be placed in the more the middle of the foot, I had it a little more forward on my foot, which I think also was possibly contributing to the Achilles issue.
0: Is your suspicion that uh, the standing up that you were doing and the elevation climbing is what got this going?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because when you're in a standing position, your leg is extending fully on the downstroke, and I have a tendency to point my toes downward. Hmm. on that downstroke. I think that got me. There was a lot of standing, a lot of climbing, and long days. And so, back home, when I'm riding one to three hours, maybe putting in 10 hours to 12 hours a week, now I'm doing that in a day. Just the constant pressure on that uh, wore it down is what I think happened. So, hopefully these adjustments will take care of that. Because
0: you have many uh, miles ahead, looks like You know, you're about a third of the way through maybe. And you've had a couple of golf course visits recently. Uh, Mount Holly and an old pal Nate Jordan and Tim Gravert at Finkbine. You want to talk a little bit about uh, what's happened there and what you want to share with everybody about the BMPs going on at these places?
1: Yeah, great. So uh, not surprising. What I'm finding is pretty consistent. Guys are doing amazing stuff on the golf courses. We're just not talking about it <laughs> enough in our industry. And I mean the golf industry in general, not just the turf industry. And at Mount Hawley, they've got an amazing BMP that they're doing for pollinators. They've got a Monarchs in the Rough program going. They're letting milkweed grow up in a native area. First of all, they cleared out an area that was thick. There was no native grass, no flowers. They cleared it out and they simply stopped mowing the grass once they got all the weeds cleaned up and milkweed came up along with some fescue. So they've got this beautiful fescue area now with natural milkweed that's come up. The members are on board. They think it's great. The children now of members are going out there and they're looking for caterpillars and the milkweed. And it's quite a thing that they've got over there. Really exciting.
0: So it was being well embraced by the membership. Uh, I know this is tried by a lot of people, before and sometimes members tend to think or golfers tend to think that this looks like you're not taking care of the place. Uh, How is Nate saying it's being accepted there?
1: Yeah. He said that the membership's been super supportive and I think he did a great job of communicating the program to the leadership at that club. And then the leadership helped drive that communication to the members. According to Nate, it's been very well received over there.
0: So what about the goose? What's he up to?
1: (laughs) Well, he's working hard, let me tell you. He's been at that job now since March, hell of a year to start a new job. And he's doing some really nice stuff over there. Uh, the course looks terrific. He's high energy, as always. Uh, of course, you know him from his best page days, I think, Frank. Yes, I do. So Thinkbine is, the BMP that we focus on at Thinkbine was Tim's adjustment of his irrigation system. So he went through, did a full audit, of his entire irrigation system, adjusted heads, adjusted run times, just a wholesale change in his irrigation system. He's using moisture meters to hand water greens. He's got some limitations there in that he's got single row in his fairways, but he's making it work, Frank. He's gone and he's adjusting each head based on what the coverage area of that head, uh, uh, the turf grass in the coverage area of that head requires. It sounds like something every superintendent should do, right? Mm -hmm. And and a lot of guys do that. But I think there are a lot of guys who overlook the importance of adjusting their irrigation system to site-specific needs.
0: Well, and here's the thing, Ken. You and I and Tim, I didn't know Tim's entire career, but I've known a fair amount of it. And all three of us have always grown grass in places where generally it rains. Our irrigation is uh, supplemented by natural rainfall. And so when you have that to cover your back or wetting agents, or maybe you're, you know, you have soils that accommodate you or don't accommodate you in some way, it's really easy to not see the inefficiencies. And number one, even if you do see them, they're not necessarily easy to fix if it's a spacing issue or a a design issue, something that's going to require a bigger investment. But I tell you, you go to dry areas in the country, Ken, you find out pretty quick. That the head isn't hitting there. So, but you're right. It is yeah. a often overlooked uh BMP, but I think people are tweeting pictures about single row and how it gives you that Pinehurst green down the look and uh, the scalloped brown edges. That seems to be something that in for some uh is growing in importance, and that's gonna be good news for us as an industry. Now, listen, let's transition to where you're heading from a golf course perspective and what the next few days are going to be like on the Connect to Protect tool.
1: Well, it's going to take me three days to get from here to Sioux City. And once I get to Nebraska, estimating, now that's partly depending upon my physical health (laughs) and whether or not I need to take some additional rest days uh, as a result of uh, my Achilles issue. But I'm thinking it's going to take me about four days to get through Nebraska. As of now, I don't have a course set up in Nebraska. So I'm hoping to get a course site visit set up. It would be, if I don't get one there, it would be the only state so far I haven't stopped in.
0: And so we're going to help you do that. We we may get this published uh, in time for you to be able to do that. But I guess I'd like to wrap up today, like we've been doing in the other conversations, with you know, how's it going mentally for you? Meeting people, the other part of the journey here, the part where you meet people and chat with people and learn some things. Have you been able to do that outside of just the golf course people you've met? And if so, uh, how's that going?
1: So since we spoke last, I've not had much interaction with people outside of the golf course industry. I'm hopeful that my Achilles will allow me to not have to focus so much on my health, (laughs) you know, and I can kind of get back to, trying to interact more with people. I have been pretty distracted with this Achilles, Frank, to be honest with you, and it's consumed me a little bit because it's a threat to my being able to finish this thing. I'm going to finish this thing, so I've got to make sure I take care of that. So I've been a little distracted by that.
0: And that is allowed, Ken. (laughs) You know, 1,200 miles in the book, roughly about 100 miles a day. We are all still on your back and so excited to read your writings and videos that you've been posting at ecoturfconsulting.com, Ken. Uh, Best of luck to you. Be safe traveling out there. Thanks for taking the time this morning to chat with me.
1: Thanks, Frank, and I look forward to our next visit. Hopefully this Achilles will be a rearview mirror item.
0: Ken Benoit, founder and president of Ecoturf Consulting, can be found at ecoturfconsulting.com. His Connect to Protect Tour can also be accessed there, where you can follow Ken's progress, videos, and experiences. And we'll be checking back in again soon. The Turfgrass Hotline is brought to you by our friends at Dryject and Telegro and the Plant Food Company. Three sponsors that are committed to our progressive voice here at TurfNet, and specifically from all of us on the hotline and with Frankly Speaking. I'm Frank Rossi. Thank you for listening.